Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Now, if you've been here and you've been a part of any church, you've heard this particular passage of Scripture many times. We've taught this text. We've taught it from so many different angles. But the truth of the matter is, there's something unique and different about what I'm seeing in Matthew versus when we see this representation in the, in the Gospel of Luke. See, Luke gives a detailed description of what happened that day. Luke tells us that Jesus was speaking to what? A multitude of people. Luke tells us that Jesus happened to see what? Two empty boats. And he said, listen, listen. He said to Peter, can you push me out a little ways from the shore? Why? So that he can teach to the people. Luke is given us a great example of everything that transpired and happened on that day. Luke says he got out and he's began to speak to people and, and then he talked to Peter. He says, Peter, do me a favor. Go a little further, a little deeper. I want you to throw your net deep into the water because I want you to catch something today. But there was a problem. We know this. We studied the text. Luke had fished all day, fished all night and caught what? Nothing. And so, listen, Jesus is now telling them, listen, throw your net out. And he says, listen, things don't add up. It's not working right. But yet, Jesus, at your word, I will do it. He commits just knowing Jesus, just meeting Jesus, just hearing Jesus. He says, you know what? Since you asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. Luke, uh, uh, here it is. Luke tells us that Simon Peter throws his net into the water. We know the story. The nets get so full of fish, it begins to pull the boat down. Simon Peter whistles for his friends to come over and help. They come over and help. It's still too much for them to carry. And immediately Simon Peter fell down and says, Jesus, depart from me. I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. I got all type of issues. How in the world can I be before you, God? All of this happens. They get to the shore, they leave the fish. Jesus says, come and follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Luke paints the picture. Luke gives us every example that we could possibly ever need to understand why these men were leaving in the first place to follow Jesus, why these men were giving up all they have. But Matthew, I can't help but to think that Matthew was a little selfish. I think Matthew was a little hater in some ways or another. Because Matthew, he just says in the text, listen, uh, there was some fishermen uh, that Jesus saw along the way, and these are the first disciples. And basically what he did, he just saw them fishing. And, and so he just told them, listen, put down your net and come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Ma Matthew had this desire uh, for everybody to look at him as the chosen one, that people, that, that the, the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, he was the tax collector. Matthew had issues. Matthew was the tax collector. And uh, the Pharisees and scribes had an issue with Jesus even talking to him. Uh, but yet and still, Jesus had a relationship with him. Jesus went into Matthew's house. The Bible tells us later on in the text that he was reclining in Matthew's own house. He was in the lazy boy deacon dad. Uh, and so he was just sitting there chilling. And and the gospel was being shared, and so many people were coming to Christ just because Jesus was fellowshipping with Matthew. And, and so here it is. When Matthew has given the opportunity to tell about the impact that Jesus has made in the lives of other disciples, he just kind of says, oh, it's no big deal. He, he just saw some people fishing, and, and when he saw them fishing, he was like, hey, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, if you want to be better, better than what you are, just come follow me. Have y'all ever been around some fake and phony people? I ain't calling Matthew fake and phony, but some true haters that want to downplay your blessing just so they can talk how good they blessing is. And this is kind of what I think is happening in the text with Matthew. Matthew was like, yeah, he did something great with them, but 
I was a tax collector. I was, I was on the whole wrong side of the crew, and Jesus came and changed my life. He makes it so much about them. But so when I looked at it, I said, even though Matthew was trying to downplay that, it's something significant in the understanding of what Jesus did in those few verses. Verse 18 reads, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting, into the, casting their nets into the sea, they, for they were what? Fishermen. The Bible goes on to say, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we see that there's going to be a period of transformation. He's going to take them from being one thing to lead them to being something else. He says, I don't want you to just be fishermen anymore. I want you to become fishers of men. And this is what happened. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Immediately, they left their nets and following him. My question today as we begin to peruse through this message on today is how many people are following you? How many people are willing to follow you? And if it's nobody... Why? Why is it nobody willing to follow you? Jesus is given the opportunity to make an impact in individuals' lives, and he does so in just a day. Not even a full day, a few hours, a few moments. He does something so significant that it causes them to say, you know what, I want to be different. I want to be better. And so as a result of it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave where I am so that I can be what you call me to be. He says, I don't want you to be a fisherman anymore. I want you to become fishers of men. Deacon Dan, Isaiah, come here quickly, quickly, real quickly. What essentially is happening is Jesus says this. He says, I see where you are, but I want to grow you from where you are to where I want you to be. Can I, can I help you understand something? Without Jesus, we're nothing but a child that has the ability to be lost, confused, unable to provide for themselves, needing guidance, needing direction, needing provided, needing protection, all of this we need. Now, true enough, we don't replace the need of those things when we embrace God, but what God does is he brings us to a point where we become spiritually mature enough, we grow up. We grow up and we can do better things. Mike, come here, Sean, Mike, come here, quickly, Mike, come here, Sean, come here, Sean, real quickly, eat your candy, eat your candy. I don't need Big Mike. I just need Little Mike. Come here, son. Quickly, quickly. Run, run, run. Run all the way through a thousand people. I see you, son. Because essentially what's supposed to happen is when Jesus finds you, you're here. When you accept Christ, you begin to grow here. But the whole purpose is so that you can come out and find and reach somebody else here. The whole process, he says, I, I know that you're a fisherman now, but what I want to do is make you a fisher of men. What I want to do is make it where you can go out and bring other people to me. See, this is the point I want to get to. Y'all can grab your seat. This is the point I want to get to. God didn't save you for you to be selfish. That's not what God saved you for. God didn't save you so that you can sit around and think to yourself, that, oh, it's all about me getting my blessing. It's all about me getting my breakthrough. The fact of the matter is God saved you so that you can what? Help save somebody else. 
That's the whole point. Jesus, when he tells the disciples, when Jesus is transcending to heaven, he says, listen, I've given you one commandment. Not only do I want you to love, but go and make disciples of many nations. Your only job, forget being an usher, forget being a greeter, forget being a praise and worship singer. Don't try to be a preacher, a pastor. Don't worry about it. Do your first job. The first thing that God asks you to do, go find somebody else and tell them about me. Grow people. Make them better than who they are, where they are. Make an impact in their lives so that they can be better than who they are, so they can, they can transition from where you were to where they need to be. And this is what we see happening. And one of the first things that I want to help you understand that if you're going to help us and be a church that grows people, if you're going to be a church that impacts the kingdom, then the first thing that you have to understand is this simple principle. Growing people begins with you going to people. Growing people begins with you grow, going to people. Cam, we got her on the screen looking all good, riding in a new whip. Sister Cam is a young lady that I met because I was printing church flyers at uh, Office Max. She didn't expect to see me that day. I didn't expect to see her that day. But I took advantage of the opportunity that God gave me through meeting Cam to invite Cam to be a part of what God is doing here at Believer City Church. Little did I know is that she was going to really ride out with this thing, and she has been stuck with us for a year and has steady been growing. Has steady been growing, and the little crazy thing is that as she grows over the year, she just told somebody today, she said, if you would have seen Pastor five months ago, he would have been upset. He would have been frustrated about this, but he also has grown. Can I help you understand when you connect and help other people grow, essentially you're helping yourself grow as well? The fears that you used to have, you won't have anymore. The things that you used to worry about, you won't worry about anymore because you put yourself in a position where you can help them grow. And because you're helping them, you're opening up a new door, a new area of your life. See, at one point you were the student, but now you're the teacher. But see, some of us want to remain students. Some of us want somebody to always teach us something, show us something. But we don't want to ever get to the point where, some, where we can allow God to use us to benefit somebody else. Growing people remind, re, requires you to be willing go, to go towards people. There are times when you're in a grocery store and God speaks to you. And he says, listen, just talk to them about Jesus. Just tell them something. And we begin to bite our nails. We question if we need to change registers. We want to do everything else except tell his people that Jesus loves you. We want to do everything else except tell people that, that God is here for you. You never know what situation or what circumstances somebody else is going through. Think about this. Jesus was talking to a group of people on the Sea of Galilee. In other words, Jesus was minding his own business. And when we look at the gospel according to Luke, he saw two empty boats. And I want to make sure that you understand what Jesus saw when he saw the two empty boats. The two empty boats signified that there was nobody in the boats and nothing in the boats. It was empty. There was no fish. There was no people. And then he looks over from the boats, and I believe that Jesus sees two disciples, future disciples. He sees Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. And this is what Simon Peter and his brother Andrew are doing. They're over there cleaning the nets. There are fishermen that have empty boats and empty nets. A fisherman with an empty boat and an empty net is an empty life. There's nothing worse than being a fisherman and going out on the water and catching nothing all day long. Believe me, I know. I've done it. You at least want to catch one thing. And so when Jesus sees them, 
He sees the first thing. He sees that there are disciples, there are people who need him. They're missing something. And so what ends up happening? They, they get up. He, Jesus gets up and says, let me use you. He goes to them. He doesn't wait for them to come to him. He's the Messiah. He has a crowd of people flocking around him. This looks like a Beyonce concert out there. But even though then he says, you know what, forget all the people who are around me. I love them. I'm going to impact them. They're already with me. I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to get some new people. I'm going to reach some new people. I want to go and make an impact on some new people because I understand that growing people begins with me going to people. Me having the courage to say, you know what, I want to tell you about who God is. I want to tell you how God can work in your life. But it doesn't end with you going to people. See, Jesus shows us something else. He says growing, growing people is built on you getting to know people. Growing people requires you to know people. Beautiful couple, Theoria and Richard, they're with us. They, they take this position of knowing people. Uh, little did I know when I prepared this slide that they would take the opportunity to get engaged this week. Can we celebrate that in this place? Amen. But since I've known them, what I've known about them is that they pretty much know each other pretty well. They feed off of each other well. And the truth of the matter is, in any relationship, for a relationship to grow, you have to get to know people. You don't, if you don't take the opportunity to get to know people, then the relationship could ever, could ever grow. Could you understand that they couldn't be a couple if they didn't understand at first, one day they were strangers, and they had to transition from being strangers to at least being friends. The problem with us as believers is that we treat everybody who is not part of our fellowship and our family as strangers. And as a result of that, we can never make the impact that God expects us to make. We can never impact their lives the way God expects us to impact their lives because we never move past that stranger danger stage. We think that, that we need to keep ourselves protected and locked in. There's three things that I believe that I call these the the three keys. I call these the big three. There's three things that, that, that we come to understand in knowing people. And this is what we see in, in the text. The first thing, these are three simple things. Write them down. They ought to be on the screen here shortly. Uh, there are three things that you need to know to know people. Knowing the person, knowing the problem, and knowing the potential. You have to know the person. You have to know the problem. And you have to be willing to know the potential. I want to explain these things to you. Know the person. Know the problem. Know the potential. This is Greg, one of my good buddies. I hadn't seen him in a while. Really, you tell him I miss him when you see him. Uh, he came to our church and he was baptized here. It was awesome. Great experience. He was able to open up. Rita was able to share a little bit about who he is and the things that he's done. But in order for Greg to experience what he's experienced here at Believer City and to grow to be who he is, there's a couple of things that happened, had to happen. We had to get to know Greg. We had to get to know Greg for who Greg was. If you want to know people, the first thing is you, is you got to know the person. Who are they? I'm not talking about what they look like. I'm not talking about how they smell, how they talk. I'm talking about who are they? You have to get to know who they are. All of us have a unique identity that we are willing to share with people if people really want to get to know who we are. But you have to get to the point where you are really genuinely concerned about, look at what Jesus does. Jesus gets into the boat of Simon Peter, and he identifies with the person. 
They're fishermen. They're fishermen that have caught no fish. He identifies with the person that they, who they are. They are fishermen. But so now when he identifies with the person, he does what? He gets to know their problems. He gets to know their problems. What is it that they're going through? Because I want to tell you something. Everybody that walks through this door, whether you've been here a year or six months or two days, you got problems. And if we're ever going to truly help people grow, we have to know them and we have to be willing to know their problems. Catch this. Catch this. Simon Peter and Andrew didn't come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I ain't caught no fish. Help me. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. Jesus observed that they didn't catch no fish. Jesus saw that they didn't catch no fish. Can I tell you how some of y'all act in this place? Not all of y'all. Y'all good believers. Y'all ain't bad believers. But, but I want to tell y'all how some Christians act. We see people going through. Instead of reaching and lending a helping hand, we point a finger. Look at them. They need better than that. I don't know why she fooling with that man. We got everything to say. But we don't know what it is we're supposed to do. Jesus sees the people, even though they're not around them, even though he's not a fellowship, they're not fellowshipping with them, and he worries, he's concerned about their problems. Each of us should leave here concerned about one another. When you come Sunday after Sunday and you don't see the same faces, you know, you know how Pastor used to preach. We got an A team and a B team on first and third, the A team come, on second and fourth, the B team come, and then C is the people that's just always here. You, you know, and so when you come and you see that Sunday, you should be concerned. Why is somebody missing? Why are they not here? What is going on in their life? How can I how can I pray for them? I want to know. Their problems, because that's what Jesus essentially chooses to do. It, Jesus says, I not only want to know you, I want to know your problem, because I think that I can help you with your problem. I've been a part of churches. I've been a part of this church. Where there's been one person that has overcome something, and another person that's going through it. And the crazy thing is, I'm the only person that knew that this person had just overcame that a couple of years ago, and you're the person that's going through it now. And I, I take it as my responsibility because some things I hadn't been through, some things I don't understand and know, it's my responsibility to try to find a way to connect the two. Oh, you just got divorced? Oh, you go, you, you've been delivered from a divorce. Oh, you in a new relationship. There's life after the divorce. I've never been divorced. I can't talk to you about that. But there's somebody who has had a divorce that's been, had, has overcome a divorce and found success in marriage after the divorce that needs to talk to you. Let me put y'all two together. Because obviously there's something greater that can come from y'all connection. But the truth of the matter is, I shouldn't have to make that connection. Because as a church, and we're not that big yet. We're not that big yet where people can't connect with other people. But you know why we can't connect with other people? Because we have this selfish mentality. We don't want to really get to know the person. There are people who have came up to me, and when they're trying to introduce somebody or tell me about somebody, they, they are looking for somebody. You know that, that lady that sit back there, or that lady, you know, I don't remember her name. What is, what is that lady? We, we don't even have over 100 people yet, and you can't remember people's name? One Sunday, Rich, we're just going to make everybody walk around with a name tag. Everybody going to walk around, because we're going to get to know each other. Because when I know you, then it puts me in a position to begin to be concerned about you. 
As long as I don't know you, I don't have to worry about you. So this is why when I see Greg on my screen, I'm worried about my boy. I ain't seen him. Mike, everybody saw when, I, when Mike came in today, I was celebrating. I hadn't seen Mike and Mika in a while. I'm worried about them. Are y'all okay? What's going on? Because I know you, and therefore, if I know you, the behavior that you're showing me is not your normal behavior. So there has to be a problem. What's the problem? What's going on? What's the struggle? How can I pray for you? I might can't provide what you need, but let me pray that God intervenes on your behalf. Jesus says, get to know the people. Not only get to know them, but get to know their problems. But, but you also have to look at them not for who they are, not for what they're going through, but for what they can be. Know their potential. Jesus says, I know right now that you're fishermen that have caught no fish. But still, I think you can be great fishers of men. I know right now it seems like you, you, you're not good for anything, but I, I think that I can help you reach a point where you're good for everything. When we look at people, instead of looking at just who they are, where they, where they are, we have to begin to look at where they can be. You know, that's the beautiful thing about being a young plant church is that we are in a position where people can come in and they can see who we are. They can see where we are. But if they don't see where we can be, they won't stick around. This stage of where we are can scare people. Why? Because the Bible says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. In other words, everybody ain't ready to put in work. And so some people, when they see something that needs work, they run from it. Come here, baby. Come here, cutie. My cutie with the big, I mean, I mean, my baby. Come on, come on, come on. The, the great thing about this one here is when she saw I needed work, she didn't run from me. When she saw I was flawed, I didn't have everything together. I, 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 I couldn't pay bills like she could pay bills. She already had a house. I didn't even have a roof over my head. She gave me a car to make sure I could get around. But, but when she saw me, she didn't just see the person or the problem. She saw the potential. Can I, can I help you today? Now she gets to sit back and make less money because she was willing to invest money when I had nothing. When I was a person with a problem, she said, you have potential. Now she don't have to worry about anything, and, and I'm the one trying to spoil her and do things for her because of the simple fact that she was willing to take me when I had nothing. And now when, I, when I'm starting to grow and I'm reaching where God wants me to be, she gets to what? Reap the harvest. But the catch is everybody sees this now. But we got, what, 12 years of marriage? And she probably didn't have about maybe a good three, a good three out of 12. <laughs> it was nine years of laboring to get to the good three or 12. But she had to be willing to put in. She had to be willing to invest. She could have ran from this relationship from day one. Now, nah, boy, you got too many issues. You ain't even got no car. You ain't got no house. You ain't, <laughs> no, uh don't call me. Lose my number, big dog. That could have been her attitude from day one. But she says, you know what, I'm going to get his brother a chance. I knew him in middle school. He seemed like he had his head on back then. Let me, let me see if I can allow this to work. Now, catch this. This is what I want to make sure that y'all understand. 
her giving me a chance did not require her to lower her standards. I want to make sure you understand that. She still had expectations. See, some of us are giving people chances. And this is not just relational. This is friendships. All We're giving people chances based on the potential. But what we're doing, we keep making excuses for them and lowering our standards. Jesus never lowered the standards for the disciples. The standards were simple. Listen, forsake everything. Leave everything, but come follow me. He says, I'm going to lead by an example. So you have to come follow me. He didn't want to be anything less than what he was called to be. Do not lower your standards to try to get somebody to come to your level because I want to make sure that you understand what happens. When, you, when you're here, you can sit down, but, and somebody else is here, ultimately what should happen is that you should lead by an example from here to give them a desire to come here. But can I help you understand what's happening? Most of us are here. People are here. We put the ladder there to show them how to get there, and this is what they're doing. I don't, I don't want to come up. You come down. And this is what we do. We get on that ladder, and we be like, okay, I'm not coming no further. You just come on up from here. No, but can you just come down and hold my hand? And we keep going down. And then what happens is we get so far down that we don't even realize that that person was standing in quicksand all along. And so what happens is when you get to that level, it pulls you down with them. And now you're stuck. Oh, that's good. You're stuck in a place now where you can't even get out. Why? Because you're trapped with somebody. And now you're waiting for somebody to come help you. You never reduce who you are to be who they, who, to be who they want you to be. Jesus did never stoop to just being a fisherman to convince them to be fishers of men. What Jesus does, he says, listen, I know you've had a bad day. You didn't catch nothing. I've brought you the biggest catch you've ever caught in your life. Leave everything you have. And come follow me. You have to get to a point where you know the person, you know the problem, and you know their potential. But the last principle I want to share with you today is that after you know the person, you know the problem, you know their potential, it gets to this. You have to be willing to grow people. And growing people requires you to be willing to show people. To lead by example. Jesus says, forsake it all, leave it all. And come and follow me. In other words, I'm in the front, you in the back. You do what I do. You go where I go. I'm not expecting you to be as fast as me, to know as much as me, but I'm expecting you to be willing to follow me. In other words, I'm not going to come to your level. What does Jesus say? Get on my level. That's what Jesus wants. Get on my level. Get where I am. Come to be where I need you to be. And so, so many of us are wasting our time crying and begging God, God, please come and fix this situation. When God is saying, listen, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get you out of that situation. I don't want to fix that situation. I want to get you out of that situation. We can sit here and pray that God's God sent a flood of people right where we are. No, I'm not sending nothing there. Why? Because I ain't trying to fix that situation. I'm trying to get you out of that situation. We can't make permanent what God meant to be temporary. We can't do that. This is a mistake that we make. We find ourselves getting comfortable in a position. We're scared to change jobs because of the fact that we're scared of what we're going to lose. When change requires sacrifice. Look at this. The fishermen had caught all that they could catch. And here Jesus is saying, leave it. 
Come follow me. He says this because he sees them for who they are. He sees them for what they're going through, and he sees them for what they can be. As I close, I want to remind you who Simon Peter is. Simon Peter, in this text, is the fisherman that paid and provided for his lifestyle by catching fish. He had a responsibility to provide for his family day in and day out. But he's also the fisherman that said, okay, Jesus, I saw what you can do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give this a chance. I want to make sure that you understand something. As long as Simon Peter was walking with Jesus, he, ooh, he never went back to fishing. There's only two times that we see Simon Peter go back to fishing. When Jesus is crucified and buried in the tomb, he goes back to fishing. And then a couple of days after that, before Jesus is raised, and, and well, after Jesus is raised, he goes and he goes fishing again. The only time that we see Simon Peter go back to fishing, in other words, the only time we see Simon Peter going back to who he used to be is when he's no longer walking with Jesus. Somebody missed that. You missed that. The only time you go back to your, trying to find a way to say this nice, negative behavior. The only time you find a way to go back to thinking that you need more than one woman the only time you think you have to go back to, to slanging and doing stuff that you ain't had no business doing, the only time you go back to being who you used to be is when you decide, I'm no longer walking with Jesus. Catch this. While Simon was walking with Jesus, he had everything that he needed. This is Simon's lifestyle. This is what happened. Simon Peter, he accepts Christ. Simon Peter walks with Jesus. Simon Peter sees so many people get fed. Over 5,000 people get fed. Simon Peter uh, is the one that uh, when Jesus was talking and said he was going to die, that Simon Peter was like, no, Jesus, you're not going to die. I need you forever. He was so in love with Jesus and the relationship and everything that he's done. He, he was that one that had the attitude, and Jesus had to say, no, listen, stop. Get yourself together. Get thee behind me, Satan. I have to go. I have to I have to go. I have to be about my father. Simon Peter is the same one that when the, when the Roman soldiers came to capture Jesus, he's the same one that pulled out his little fish knife and cut off the man ear, and Jesus has to take the man ear, put it back, and heal it, and tell Simon Peter, chill out. I told you that this has to happen. This is the same Simon Peter. Simon Peter is the same one that Jesus asked over and over, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he began to get upset and frustrated with Jesus because he kept asking. But Jesus was telling him, listen, I really want to entrust you with more than I've ever entrusted anybody with before. On, upon this rock, upon this word, upon you with your word, you will build the church. This is what Simon Peter is called to do. And then Simon Peter is the same one that God says, listen, before the rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. And Simon Peter denies Jesus three times. But Simon Peter is the same one that after Jesus returned and, and showed them who he was, Simon Peter is the exact same one that on the day of Pentecost, when everybody else was confused about what was going on, when everybody else was confused about people speaking in tongues, about the Holy Spirit moving, about people understanding languages that they've never understood before, when everybody else was jacked up, Simon Peter is the one that stepped up. Simon Peter is the one that stepped up and he says, listen, 
This is the scripture. This is prophecy being fulfilled. And the Bible says that when Simon Peter talked, the people at the end of the day said, listen, man, I don't know who you are or where you came from, but listen, I need to know what can I do to be saved. Do you see what just happened? Simon Peter has officially transferred from being just a fisherman to a fisher of men. He caught over 3,000 people in his first cast. 3,000 men came to know God and to give God their lives. And the Bible says continually after that, people continued to grow. The faith continued to grow. But this is what happened. Peter would have never been who he was if God never would have seen the potential that he had to be it. As a church, we pass by people every day, and we don't know the potential that they have for the kingdom and for the church. We don't know the potential that we, what they have. Some of us have more than one gift. Some of us are limited in gifts. No matter what, we don't know their potential. We don't know what they will do and what they won't do until we're willing to get to know them, know where they are in life, and know what God says they can be. It was amazing today to walk in. I, I was just celebrating this morning how many people got together and made things happen where I didn't have to do anything. Deoria probably don't like me calling her name out all the time, but Deoria came in here and she was mopping. The place smelled like lemons and pine salt. I said, man, this place ain't been mopped since we've been here. She was getting stuff done, and usually we're rushing and cramming to the very end to make things happen, but because God sends us people that he wants us to utilize for their gifts and not just use for what they got. That's good. You'll catch that a little bit later. When, when God shows us he wants us to utilize them instead of just using them, he puts us in a position where we can grow. Puts us in a position where we can make a better impact. The message is simply this. We grow people. In order to grow people, we can't be looking for anybody that's perfect. Because perfect people have no room for progress. Perfect people have no room for progress. What we need to be doing is we need to be looking for people that have problems. Why? Because if we look for people who have problems, we have the potential to help them grow to where God says they can be. But as long as we keep looking for perfect people to fill the seats of our church, church is going to study be empty. Because why does a perfect person need you? They were perfect before they found you. What value do you add to their life? God has caused us to add value to people because he has added value to us. In order to grow people, you have to find people that are not quite where they need to be. And you have to be able to look them in the eyes and say, listen, I love you for who you are. I love you no matter where you are, but I know that God has something greater for you. That God has something greater for you. And until you reach the point where they can really understand that, comprehend that, and believe that, and walk in that, it is your responsibility to hold their hand, to love on them, to lead them, to show them the scripture, so that one day they can do the same. One day that they can do the same. So if we're going to be a church that reaches people, we're going to be a church that teaches people, we're going to be a church that sows into people, we have to be a church that's willing to grow people. Why? Because if we don't grow people, then it doesn't matter what we build. If there is not a continual cycle of growth, 
then whatever we have will die. Because if nobody is growing behind us, once we're gone, it's gone. And I don't believe that God has called us to build anything that can't withstand the test of time. For the kingdom or the kingdom here on earth. It's our responsibility to grow people. But we have to do that by knowing people, knowing their problems, and knowing their potential. We have to be willing to go and reach them for where they are and stop waiting on them to come to us.